Well, it is almost time for the FBFI annual conference coming up June 14th through 16th here at Colonial Hills Baptist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. This is a preview podcast where we're having conversations with the conference speakers. So you can get a little look into what's in store for you at the conference when you come June 14th through 16th. My name is Matt Barfield. I'm the vice president of field ministries at IPM. I also serve as the director of national or sorry, international ministries and next door nations ministries here at Colonial Hills, and I'm a member of the FBFI. I'm really excited about the conference and all those coming, and happy to have on the phone right now uh, Pastor Michael Sproul. He's been the uh, senior guard chaplain, or he is the senior guard chaplain for the National Guard of Arizona. He's also the senior pastor now, well, recently, at Littleton Baptist Church in Littleton, Colorado. Pastor Sproul, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Hey, thank you very much, Nate. It's great to be here. So you've had a very interesting uh, um, career, and God's used you in different ways, uh, and we're really excited to have you coming to the conference. Uh, you've had to face some some challenging things with your role in the National Guard as a chaplain and, and those things. Um, how, do you, how, have you, how did you navigate that biblically as you've had to face some of those cultural shifts? Um, so, you know, some of the some of the good things about being in the chaplaincy, which in July I'll have been a thirty year commissioned officer, so some wow. of that was um, on active duty. Uh, most most of that most of that was in uh, in the guard and reserve. What we call a, we we talk about as the ARC, the air air reserve component. Um, while I pastored in Arizona, and and one of the great things about the chaplaincy is. Well, there's many great things. Um, we get to protect the First Amendment to the Constitution, yeah. which guarantees free, free exercise. Um, it, it guarantees no state church, right? And so our, our job is to protect that. Our job is to inform commanders if there's any risk to that. Well, when you do the study of that, um, as a Baptist historian, what you find is, you know, that's very much a Baptist document. It was under the influence of men like John Leland that Madison, who lived in Orange County, Leland pastored two Baptist churches in Orange County, Northern Virginia, <clears throat> had a tremendous impact on that. So as a Baptist chaplain in the military, that you continually get to remind often secular past or secular officers, hey, wait a second, you sworn to uphold the Constitution yeah. and free exercise the part of the Constitution. And it's a very Baptist ideal. The, the other side of that is you know, in our country that is, is so uh, dysfunctional at the sociological level, in other words, the family unit, so many young people joined the military at 18, 19, 20, 21 uh, to, to, find, to find identity, to find purpose, to get away from their home, to have somebody feed them, to have somebody house them. And, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a pastor and as a, 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 a leader, uh, as a Baptist pastor and a leader, wow, what a what a great opportunity to sh- to share Christ. And well, often they're so confused and so, but so open at the same time. Go well, ahead. Yeah, well, it just it seems like the rate of change in our culture has picked up. Uh, obviously, we're always in the in the world, not of the world, and feeling that that. Uh, place that we serve as Christians to be salt and light in a dark place. Uh, but the rate of change has really seemed to pick up and, and you've been right in the middle of that, as you just described, having to give the truth and be hope for those people who are, who are losing it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the, one of the challenges is 
to be wise as serpent as a harmless as a dove. And when I was commissioned back in 91 and went on active duty, you know, I used to say, and I've said it for 30 years, you're very much like a Daniel or a Joseph mm-hmm. in that, you know, there's, you're, you are, you sit next to the king, as it were, whether that's a wink in the Air Force, a wing commander or a, a state general or whatever, and you give advice on a whole host of topics. Right. And for one that comes across our plate constantly is, is um, religious accommodation. So is this a legitimate religious accommodation or is it just something this, this member wants to do and they're mm-hmm. trying to you know, get what they want? by a religious accommodation means. So you're advising leadership constantly on what does, re- what constitutes legitimate religious accommodation and what is fraudulent religious accommodation. Mm. Um, if we go to, if we go to war and all of a sudden a member has, has decided to be a pacifist, well, then you have to advise leadership on, did, is this a, is this a legitimate conversion to pacifism or is it just somebody attempting to not deploy? Sure. So there's there's just multiple levels that you have to be aware of a whole bunch of different things uh, to operate in that realm. And it's but it's a wonderful ministry. I mean, it's just you you get to see real people at real levels um, uh, struggling with real issues, and often you're one of the handful that bring hope because you offer forgiveness. In in Christ, we have forgiveness. Well, that's right? a that's such an important thing for Christians to remember, that faith, hope, and love are the things that abide, and, and we get to be the ones who hold that up. Uh, and, and so your message yes. for this conference is a message of hope. Uh, God's put on your heart something from the book of Ezekiel and, and eschatological t- framework and that kind of thing. So talk a little bit about that. What is your burden about that message, about the message of Ezekiel being a message of hope? So uh, I, I was reared in an evangelist home and, you know, went to church all the time in, in the 60s and 70s, certainly. And <clears throat> that was an era in which we really, um, I want to say, really, really developed dispensational um, understanding of Scripture. And it had been developing in the 20s and 30s, but I mean, it was just a constant. We were during, in the Cold War and right, we had right. <clears throat> all of that stuff going on. And so... I think we did a great job of theologically setting the space, but I think maybe as we were busy doing that, we may have not articulated as well. This is, this is all, prophecy is about hope when it's taken in context, whether it's the prophecy of Jesus is coming in Isaiah, when you put it in its context, you know, the, the King there is staring down the barrel of an invasion and Isaiah comes and tells him about a child that's going to be born. But mm-hmm. in other words, the, the Jewish people are not going to be wiped out. You, you, you may lose the battle, but you're not going to lose the war. Yeah. When you get to Ezekiel, it, it's just a great message of hope. And sometimes you can gloss over Ezekiel because Jeremiah is such a more dominant personality, as it were. And Ezekiel is, is some of his prophecies are difficult to understand, right? The wheel within the wheel and all that kind of sure. stuff. And so, when you, when you realize that Ezekiel is a Babylonian, he's in Babylonian exile, and he's writing 20, 25 years after the destruction of the Judean temple that stood since Solomon 350 years before, it's really generationally sunk into the Jews. They're not going home right away. Um, the temple's down. <clears throat> what, what, are we just going to be assimilated into Gentile culture, right? Mm-hmm. And Ezekiel comes along with this message of hope and the message of hope is an exact, I mean, he's down to the details on what the temple, a future temple is going to look like. 
Of course, we would understand that eschatologically as in the millennial kingdom when Jesus sits and rules and reigns on the throne of his father David. But it's, it's a message of hope to exiles. It's a message of hope to the downtrodden, to the impoverished, to, to their culture has changed everything. They're in a pagan land, and they're not going to go home for, a long, for many, many more years. It's another generation or two before they're even going to go home. And yet Jerem, uh, Ezekiel gives them a message about hope, and it's a prophecy that still hasn't been fulfilled, right? So I think it's important for us to contextualize that prophecy and then turn around and say, hey, you know what? It's not like cultural change hasn't taken place before. It's not like right. it's not like change hasn't happened. God is still a God of hope. And if God knows the particulars of the size of a temple that's in the future, God cares about the particulars of my life. Sure. And, and that's what eschatology does it gives us hope yeah you know as you're talking about that it 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 strikes me that the as you emphasize the national loss the cultural loss what it must have meant to the psyche of the people to have this temple for over 300 years and then to finally let it sink in wow this is gone um you know can we get back to that that does seem to sort of resonate with where we are in america right now where people are watching things that we've loved for a long time slip away institutions and and networks and fellowships and in many cases colleges or or mission groups or different things that we got used to and enjoyed the blessing of and 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 seeing them go or not be the same as they were and i think sometimes the question is you know can we get back to that but what you're saying and and pointing out here is that what God tells Ezekiel as well, the, the future is better. The future is not just getting back. The future is moving forward in God's plan and, and having a, an even greater blessing. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know what can quote unquote be reclaimed or not be reclaimed or, sure. you know, I, I don't know any of that stuff. I don't know the future. What I do know is that, that God has said, um, you know, every hair on your head is numbered. And as I lose my hair, as I age, it becomes easier and easier for God to do. I, I understand that <laughs> but, feeling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I know that when we apply, when we put Ezekiel in its context, and we see the complete destruction, and, and bearing in mind that he's writing, you know, about 560 B.C., and, and it's been now 150 years since the northern tribes went into what would be captivity into northern Iraq. He's sitting more in modern-day southern Iraq, but they've, they've more or less disappeared. Mm. So it has to be, the thought has to be in the Judean mind of, of exile, is the same thing going to happen to us? It's, it's, are, are the promises of a Davidic line and a Messiah are through Ju- Judah. And are we going to be absorbed culturally and genetically just like our our, our northern ten cousins were, and so I mean, at so many levels, and how and men like Ezekiel and later Ezra redefine Jewishness and the Israelite experience through their history writing and through their prophecy. Ezra's going to come along, you know, seventy five, one hundred years later, and really write their history. Probably the author of First and Second Chronicles, Ezra. And he, he reshapes their history and why they went into captivity. And Ezekiel comes along before that and gives them hope for a future and says the future is, is okay because God's in charge. And I, and I really think that's for American Christians, for Christians around the world, you know, God is still in charge. And if he can tell us 
and is concerned enough about how many cubits a future temple is, that, that's, that's just a great application for me that God's concerned about the smallest details of my life. Well, it certainly gives hope, and I think that goes so well with the theme of the conference, which is understanding our times. For all of you listening, if you would like more information about the conference, I encourage you to go to fbfiannualfellowship.org. That's fbfiannualfellowship.org. There you can learn all about the different speakers and the conference itself, and also register. We encourage you to do that soon so that you can make sure to be with us June 14th through 16th here at Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Pastor Sproul, thank you so much for your time, and uh, We're looking forward to seeing you here in Indianapolis. Look forward to being with you. God bless.